welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and welcome to the first podcast episode of the new year. It's 2021, and so yeah, here we are. We made it. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year. So I am joined today by Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hey! And so since we are in a new year, 2020 is over. We're in 2021, and we are going to talk about... 2020 so (laughs) that seems fitting yeah (laughs) since we're all ready to be done with it I'm sure uh we're gonna we're gonna still talk about it uh we wanted to take a little bit of time seriously though to sort of reflect on the year that 2020 was and and to do that we're gonna go back and I want to reference some things that happened in first Samuel because I think there's some relevant uh, some relevant information there that I, the more I, I, I sort of reflected on it again and some of the stories there, um, they sort of seemed even more relevant to me than, than what I had originally kind of thought of them for, thought of this this kind of collection of stories for. And I preached on, on some of these stories right at about three years ago, actually. So I think, I think that's enough time to bring them back up in conversation to recycle some of the stories. So, yeah, that's definitely enough time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So... So there's this story in 1 Samuel 4. 1 Samuel 4 is nuts. And, and I think it's very fitting for how we, as we kind of think back on the year that 2020 was, because 2020 was, you know, it, it, it probably affected all of us differently. Some of, for mm-hmm. some of us, it was uh, maybe just disorienting or inconvenient or confusing or hard or stressful. For others, it was mournful and mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. And, um, but there's a, there's a spectrum there, perhaps. But it was, it was certainly a strange and odd and weird year for everyone. Mm. And I think collectively we could say it was a very hard and 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 not great year, where we just a lot of life was disrupted. Mm. And and uh, so I preached on that a couple of Sundays ago. I preached on kind of you know the gifts of 2020 is what I preached on a couple of Sundays ago. And I kind of see this almost as like the second part of that of that conversation. And so there's this. There's this scene that's described in 1 Samuel 4, which as you read it, as I, as I read that story, like sounds to me like it has to be one of the worst days in Israel's history. Mm. Uh, so what happens is the Philistines come in. They just like overrun Israel's army uh, and their camp. The NIV version of it says 30,000 foot soldiers are killed. They're just like slaughtered. And not only that, but the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant. And, and so already you've got this just terrible scene. And amongst the soldiers who die, you have Eli's two sons who are killed. And, and so one guy escapes and, and goes back home. And when he gets back home, he finds Eli. And he tells Eli, who's, of course, this, you know, uh, leader of, of the Israelite people and this respected man. And he tells Eli that his two sons have been killed in battle and they took the ark and, and all this stuff. He just relays all the terrible news to him. And so Eli, who is an old man at this point, falls over in his chair, breaks his neck and dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just to add, like, it's just keep tragedy upon tragedy. Uh, and so then all, news of all of this reaches Eli's daughter-in-law, who then hears the news of all of this. That, that the army has been wiped out, that the ark has been stolen, that her husband died in battle, and mm. that her father-in-law daughter died in battle. And she is pregnant and goes into labor on the mm. spot, has a son, 
and names him Ichabod, whose name literally means no glory. And when she has him, she says uh, she named him Ichabod because she said the glory has departed from Israel. Mm. And so it's just like this completely devastating day that like now Ichabod like carries around with him. Like mm. I've, I've always felt bad for Ichabod in the story. <laughs> like yeah. this is the day he's born into and he mm. has to carry around the memory of this day for his life in his name. His name mm. is no glory. Um, and man, I mean, we don't know anything else about Ichabod really from scripture, but I would, I would love to know from Ichabod how that affected his life yeah. and, and self identity and all those mm-hmm. things. Um, and so it's just, just this awful day. But but it says in 1 Samuel 4 that all of that took place at this place called Ebenezer. And and what a lot of people think is that as as we're as we are hearing the story of 1 Samuel, that it is referred to as Ebenezer looking back. That like that wasn't the name at the time, but it's it's called that retrospectively. Because by the time you get over to 1 Samuel 7, and 1 Samuel 7 is, is kind of Israel's revenge. Israel defeats the Philistines. Um, and after Israel defeats the Philistines and recapture the ark, uh, Samuel sets up a stone that he calls an Ebenezer. And Ebenezer literally means stone of help. Mm. And he sets up this stone and he says, thus far the Lord has helped us. And... And so there's a thought that as you look back then, that the battle that took place in in 1 Samuel 4 takes place at the same place that is now, you know, as you're looking back on it later in history, is later known as as Ebenezer, as this spot where where would later become this this place of victory and, and sort of redemption, where Ebenezer, where Samuel sets up this Ebenezer stone as this reminder that God has helped us. And so I want that imagery to kind of frame some of our conversation that we're going to have today. And, and I've got a little, I've, I've got a few more thoughts on just kind of some of the Ebenezer language, but, but I'm going to stop here for a second and see what, what thoughts or, uh, or feedback you might have on any of that, Rachel, as, as you, we kind of think about those stories and Ebenezer language. I think it's helpful to realize that that word came out of a context of victory experienced after tragedy and that there was so much loss and just this communal sense of the glory of Israel has been taken away from us and then when God comes and restores the Ark of the Covenant back to them they give God the credit and it's it's even more meaningful because of what they went through before Mm, yeah yeah I think you're right and I think that's that's why when I went back and read First Samuel 4 again, um, I think I, I, I certainly read it differently on this side of 2020. Mm. That, you know, we've been through this, this difficult year and, wow. and, and trying to, to see the ways that God is still, or not, not still, that, that God is working and, and moving amongst us and that mm-hmm. there's value in in taking time to reflect and to, to ask ourselves this question of, so how has God helped us yeah. in this year? Where has God been with us? Mm. Um, and and may, that there may even be value in, in us tangibly setting up some type of, of literal Ebenezer mm-hmm. uh, to remind ourselves that, that God is with us and that he is capable of, 
of, of redemption. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one of the things that's fascinating to me about the word Ebenezer. Um, you know, I don't know where the name Ebenezer Scrooge came from or why, why Dickens chose to name mm-hmm. him Ebenezer. But when I think about the redemptive nature of that word and that place as you go from 1 Samuel 4 to 1 Samuel 7, it does bring up imagery to me of Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. That Ebenezer Scrooge starts as, as this, you know, as we know, cold-hearted person who's greedy and, you know, all those things. But by the end of the movie, he's redeemed. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you have this picture of someone who is incredibly generous and, and filled with the Christmas spirit and all of those things at the end of this story. And yet when we use the word Scrooge or Ebenezer, especially around the holidays, we use it in the negative sense. Mm. Like that person's such a Scrooge. You know, we don't use it in the redeemed sense of it, which I think is interesting. And I don't really have anything, any insight on, on what that might mean. But just that, you know, sometimes I guess what it could say is sometimes we fail to see the redemptive possibilities or elements of stories that and that's so prevalent in this Ebenezer language in First Samuel. Yeah. So Ebenezer is like redemption after loss or victory after destruction. Um, so it's yeah, it's like coming through the tragedy and then seeing it on the other side and saying God is the one who allowed me to make it all the way through to the other end. Yeah, yeah, that that God brought us through something that was really hard, mm. and. And we're here to tell the story of it, about how he has worked and to, to bring us through it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that Israel, again, Israel lost tens of thousands of people. Right. And so it doesn't, it doesn't negate any of that loss, but it recognizes that, that God is still here working mm. amongst us and he's helped us and he's brought us to this point. And, and I think that is, you know, like I said, I, I had thought of this kind of Ebenezer language for this. Uh, for this conversation, but but I don't think uh, I hadn't fully recognized what I think are, are just the, the uh, deeper and, and obvious connections there of of man the importance of taking time at the end of this year to to just reflect and to say yeah you know it has been hard there have been losses but mm-hmm. but here we are and God has helped us and God is moving and and what where has God where have I seen redemption where have I experience those things and how can I remain faithful so that God can continue to do redemptive things within my life um, and remain open to that as we move into a new year. I feel like we're kind of creating a working definition of Ebenezer as we go. It, I feel like it makes me think of praise that's not ignorant of lament. We realize the mm. loss and the sorrow that we've gone through, and it's praise that is not void of lament. The The voice of everything that we've been through still speaks while we simultaneously rejoice. It's like Paul saying, uh, rejoicing, always sorrowful, yet rejoicing. Um, so I feel like that is probably a good description of this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so with that kind of to, to set up our look back at the year, uh, let, let's do some of that um, kind of personally for each of us. And so, Rachel, I'm going to have you start. And 
and my hope here, Rachel and I are going to kind of share some reflections that we've had on this year for us personally, and and I hope this will be sort of a way of, of encouraging some of our other listeners to do the same thing and, um, and, and to sort of um, help us to, to be reflective and, and to think about some of that. So Rachel, why don't you get us started with that and, and kind of what, as, as we've been thinking about 2020 and reflecting on it, what, mm-hmm. have, what have you kind of thought and, and come to? Well, I'm the game maker in my family. I make a lot of homemade games, and I force everyone to play them, and nobody (laughs) wants to, and then once we play it, everyone loves it and has so much fun. Um, Okay, well, we have to pause there then. So what's a homemade (laughs) game that you have made? You can't just throw that out there without telling us about a homemade game. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, There's one I made called Who Said It? And it's questions. We actually played it at the youth party questions that I made up and every person writes their answer to the question, submits them, and then each round one person guesses who said what. So it's like trying to figure out which answer belongs to which person and it gets really funny. So one of the questions I had on that was I could sum up my 2020 in one word and like what word is that that you could sum up your year um Mm -hmm. and it was pretty hard for people (laughs) um some of them used phrases like my mom's phrase was I hate mass and I was like okay well that's not really one word I guess that's metaphorically one word um I hate masks yeah like that was she did like a (laughs) sentence I guess so I think that's a good question for us if you could sum up your year in one word, what would it be? And mine was transitions, Um, multiple transitions. We lived in at least three different homes this year. Um, We've lived in two different countries. (laughs) And my husband has been in two states. And we have moved at least three times. We have uh, booked at least eight flights <laughs> and only flown on, I don't know, a few of them. So just tons of transitions. And there was another year where my word for the year was trust. And I just went through so many um, uncertainties and unknowns in that year. And actually, that was the year that I met my husband was in 2014. My word for the year going into it was trust. I knew that there were going to be a lot of things that I needed to trust God for. And he proved himself faithful and good and proved that I can trust him. And I think that that has come up again this year is transitions and trusting God in the midst of transitions. Um, so I've been through a lot of ups and downs and just kind of being in between And there's um, one way that I want to reflect on my year through the rose and the thorn reflection. So the rose is kind of like your high point, sweet, sweet moment. What was the best part or your highlight? And then the thorn is maybe something that was painful or a loss or something that was your low. So my rose for the year was a period of silence and solitude that I had earlier in the year, probably around March, when everything first went into lockdown. And I was basically just alone for almost 40 days and just had time for prayer and reflection and reading scripture. And that was just such a sweet time with the Lord. 
my thorn is when Hezzy and I were trying to come to the U.S., and it was just really hard, um, especially when everything looked like it was finally perfect and we got to the airport and we had our boarding passes and they wouldn't let us on the plane. That was just probably the most stressful and traumatic moment of this year for me. And I know other people have been through much, much worse and much harder. Um, but for me personally, I think that's that's my rose and my thorn for 2020. So if, as we think about this Ebenezer language, this idea that, you know, the, as Samuel says, thus far the Lord has helped us. Mm. Where would you say, kind of looking back on it, mm-hmm. um, where do you feel like you have experienced God's help this year? How long do you have? <laughs> In a one-word answer. <laughs> okay, I definitely can't do the one word. I have an Ebenezer. So this is my wedding ring. And I'm going to tell you what happened today. Today is Hezzy and, and my four-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And this morning... Not on the day that people are listening to this. The though, day that the day we're that, recording. The way that we're recording 3rd. this. Yeah. Just to, uh, yeah. So I, this morning I was putting on my rings, and I have two rings, and I put on my ring for my right hand, and then I went to put on my wedding ring on my left hand it wasn't there and so Hezzy and I looked everywhere we're looking through the room through clothes and my bookshelf and everything in our room and as we're looking I'm praying out loud (laughs) and I'm like Jesus please help me help us find this ring give us wisdom to know where it is and I'm almost in tears I'm like thinking how can I go four years of never losing this through being in Kenya, through going through deserts and on airplanes and everywhere that I've been for four years and have it safely, and then on our anniversary in America at home, lose it, you know? And so we're looking through the bathroom, we're looking everywhere, and I'm praying aloud, Jesus, give us wisdom, man, I'll lose this ring, please. And then I just have this thought, to look in the vacuum. <laughs> so I go and I get the vacuum inside all the dirt and dust and dog hair. I see a shining thin silver band. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I go to Hazimaya, I found it. And so we take the vacuum outside and we pour out all the dirt. And I just grab my ring out, wash it, place it securely back on my finger. And I came back just rejoicing and praising Jesus. And even when we were looking, I was thinking of the parable of the woman who loses a coin and she like sweeps Mm -hmm. her whole house looking. And then when she finds it, there's great rejoicing. And I just feel like Jesus was reminding me again that... um, nothing is lost, that everything that we think is lost, Jesus knows where it is, whether it's a missing Mm. wedding ring or a loved one who's no longer living, like my uncle who passed this year, um, that anything that feels out of control, it's still in Jesus's control. Anything that we feel like we've lost this year, because I think there are a lot of things we feel that we missed out on or that we lost, Mm They're not lost in the economy of Christ and um, in God's church. 
Colossians 1.17 says, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And so I think this year was a year of me learning that even when I am not in control of things or people, Jesus still is. And that's better than me being in control because there are a lot of things I had to let go control of. And it's actually freeing to realize Jesus is the one in control. He holds everything. So when it feels like it's lost, it's really not lost. He knows where it is. You just have to ask him. I like that because I think, you know, even as you were saying that, I thought, I think if there are two kind of unifying things for all of us about this year that we've all experienced, I think it would probably be disruption and loss. Mm. And and again, that those things happen, uh, there's a scale, right, of those things that for some mm. the disruption was more and for some the loss was more. But mm. we've all experienced that in some way. All of us uh, felt like we at times like we lost something or we were missing something or mm-hmm. uh, whether that was an experience or, uh, you know, a school year or time at work or mm-hmm. uh, whatever it might have been, of course, all the way to, as you said, loved ones and, and um, you know, loss of jobs and things like that that would be more extreme. Uh, and so that reminder of 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 God being in control and and God mm. holding it all even even in times of disruption yeah. is is certainly good and helpful. Yeah. I think that's one of my major lessons this year is just because it's not in my control doesn't mean it's out of control. Um. That's good. That's good. And I think that's that's part of the value on reflecting, I think. And and again, like I I know this like we get to the end of 2020 and we just want to turn the page and move past it. <laughs> uh but like we're still, you know, uh, the first Sunday of 2020, you know, we're not gathering again in person mm. because of, you know, just ongoing concerns. And so like, it's not over. We're still in it <laughs> in yeah. whatever it is, quote unquote. Um, and, and so we can't really turn the page anyway. Um, but, but I think there's value in reflecting and, and, and to, to kind of pull it back to those stories in first Samuel, I think you see the value of reflection when, when first Samuel, because when the narrative is, is told about that story in 1 Samuel 4, you know, it's, it says the Israelites camped at Ebenezer. And again, when that actually happened, that place, prob- it wasn't called Ebenezer. It's only called Ebenezer looking mm. back on it, mm. you know. And so when people read that story after the fact and they, they read about all the terrible stuff that's about to happen, the Ebenezer language still frames it mm-hmm. that like even in the midst of this, like even that when we didn't know how the story was going to end, as we reflect on it, we're reminded that, that, that God brought us through it. Mm. And, and you can only do that as you look back. Like there's a quote that I use a lot from Steve Jobs, where Steve Jobs used to say, <laughs> you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. Mm. Uh, and to do that, you have to be willing to reflect and to remember and to to go back and think about okay where has god been with me where have i experienced god's help how has god been moving mm-hmm. and then what does that mean for me going forward and how can that how can that help me be a more faithful person a more enlightened person um a more uh, trusting person going mm-hmm. forward so that i can i can um 
be a better version of myself in the future. So how do you see God helping you as you look back on 2020? Good question, Rachel. <laughs> so <laughs> um, as, as I've been thinking back, and so I, I tried to go back and, and a little more intentionally than, than I had before, kind of think about the year. And I was surprised at how neatly this year kind of fit into very distinct boxes or blocks for me like that's Mm -hmm. the first when you asked like 2020 in one word blocks was the Mm -hmm. word that I thought of Mm. and um like there are certainly more um evocative or um I don't know doom and gloom sounding words that we could probably use for (laughs) 2020 as well but that was what I thought of because as I went back and thought about it like I had completely forgotten until Ashley and I talked about this that we spent the beginning of our year uh, with Ashley recovering from mm. surgery. Wow. She had surgery, uh, so she broke her leg uh, in July of 2019. So that was one thing that I was reminded of, was because she broke her leg in 2019, had surgery then, was off of it for like six weeks. And so that really dominated the last half of 2019 for us. Um, and so, like, life hasn't been, quote-unquote, normal for an extended period of time, really, for, like, the last mm. 18 months, it kind of feels like, for our family. Um, not, you know, like there was ever a, quote-unquote, normal. But yeah. uh, anyways. Um, and so, she she ended up having to have screws and uh, a metal plate put put in her leg, and the wound mm. never healed, and, and she wasn't a- a- really a- ever able to regain full motion in yeah. that leg, range of motion. So, she had to have surgery uh, a year ago today, as we were recording this podcast, mm. to have some of that stuff removed. And so, she was not able to get out of bed again for the first two weeks of 2020. Wow. Uh, so, that was how our year started. And then we were looking forward to, we had this trip planned in spring break, which was kind of early March of of this year. We were going to Disney World with my parents and and brother and his spouse. And and so we go from like Ashley not being able to walk for for the first couple of weeks of January and her recovering from that to where we're like, have like a month of buildup where we're trying to get her ready for the rigors of Disney World, right? Because oh you do a gosh. lot of walking. <laughs> so so we're walking, we're hiking, yeah. like we're doing all that stuff, getting her ready for that. And so that was like January and February were like recovery time mm-hmm. and, and kind of preparation time. Uh, then we have this one week of March where it's just, you know, fun, exciting, vacation, um, all that stuff. But like COVID is kind of hanging out there. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, while we were at Disney World is when everything really just like started really to get real, you know, Mm. like that's when, um, you know, uh, I'm a sports fan. So a lot of my stuff is is kind of framed by sports, but that's when the (laughs) NBA stopped. March Madness was canceled. All of that happened in March. Uh, while we were in Disney World, which I think really kind of made it real for a lot of people. It was like, oh, this is this is going to affect us mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, literally as we're driving back from Disney World, we're having, like, phone calls and conversations about what we were going to do for church that Sunday. Oh, wow. uh, we ended up canceling church, which felt so like such a big deal at the time. You know, now looking back, it's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> that wasn't a big deal. And so we drove back on Saturday, March 14th. And then on Sunday, March 15th, it was just me and Jason at the church building recording like a podcast version of the sermon mm. to, to be sent out. And is that and how so the podcast we went, was birthed? That's how it was birthed. Wow, yes. On Sunday, cool. March 15th with, <laughs> with, uh, with me and Jason just hanging out here at the building mm-hmm. by ourselves. And so we literally went straight from like, you know, this incredibly crowded <laughs> um, place in at Disney World mm. to straight into shelter at home, wow. quarantine, you know, whatever for the next several months. And it was like this very distinctive break, right? Like, and so I, that's why I say yeah. like blocks. There were like very distinct blocks. So we go from recovery to, to that vacation to uh, to our time in shelter in place and, and being at home from March basically to May. Um, and I should have said the January and February time we were also doing adoption, fostering and adoption classes, mm. which literally ended the week before we went to Disney World. So again, it was like this very distinct time of preparation. Again, that was part of the preparation. It was preparation and recovery. It was kind of that season for us. Um, and then after our at-home time, uh, you know, we were still in that during the summer, of course, but at, at the beginning of June, we um, we welcomed these these sibling sets of four girls into our home, mm. which created this other just <laughs> very distinct and yes. crazy and wild block of time, um, which had all of its own challenges, absent the pandemic, but even with the pandemic, just kind of added to mm. everything. And, and so that was a very distinct season and and a time that was just very different all to itself. Uh, they ended up leaving then to go to another home in September, which started kind of the school and COVID season for us and Ashley going back to work and Isley going back to school and, and Banner being in preschool and all that, which then kind of brought us to the end of the year. But even at the end of the year in November, we decided, hey, you know what would be cool to add on to this insane year? Oh, Let's no. buy a new house. <laughs> so we did that and we moved. <laughs> Uh, and we moved into our new home on Christmas Eve was actually our first night to spend in wow. our new home. And and so it was like these very distinct blocks of time. Mm. And and I think as I look back over that year then um, and, and think about, so how has God helped us through all of this? The first thing that I thought of, and, and I referenced this in my sermon a couple of weeks ago too, is just the ways that that we were encouraged and supported by others. And mm. um, I think that was certainly prevalent and on display when, when Ashley broke her leg, we just, we felt just loved and supported and encouraged. And it was the same thing when we, when we had the foster girls, mm. uh, we had the four girls with us this summer and, and, you know, Ashley and I struggled, struggled with all of that this summer in, in many mm. different ways. And, and, you know, even with the pandemic and her breaking her leg and all of that, n- none of that stuff was as difficult as this summer was. Mm. And and just going through all of that with with just having these four girls who have been through so much, you know, trauma in their own lives just come in and invade your home and your yeah. life and, and trying to make sense of all that. And it was great and it was formative, but it was also incredibly difficult and stressful mm. and hard. And and we just we wouldn't have made it without um, our friends, our family surrounding us and and encouraging us and supporting us, mm. and and so that was really kind of as I thought about it, I I felt God helped us through the encouragement um, and the support of others, and 
And I think that's hopefully something that we have all come to realize from this year is the ways that we need relational investment within Christian community. And, and you have to have that before the crisis hits, right? I think we've realized that in 2020. Like if you didn't have a relational connection and investment with others around you, once some of these other structures were taken away, um, like that had to be in place before that. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so you have, to, you have to do the work to build those things so that when the times of crisis come, you've got a support system in place to sort of help you through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we realized that this summer. Uh, the, other, the other way that God has helped me this year, and, and really both me and Ashley, was that as I reflected, through worship and song. Because mm. um, I know there were songs that really um, had an impact on Ashley during that season and that would literally get her through the days, wow. some days. Um, mm-hmm. Ellie Holcomb is, a, is mm. one of her favorites, and there were some Ellie Holcomb songs that kind of got, got her through some difficult days. And then worship for me, because Chris and I have talked about this before in different places, but I think I was able, I think we talked about this in a podcast one time, that I was able to kind of more fully worship in some of those online experiences Mm -hmm. than I felt like I am sometimes when we're at the building, when I'm thinking about what I'm going to preach or Mm -hmm. what order things are going to go in or whatever. But when they're online, all that's already done. And so I don't think I'd even really kind of recognized probably how mm. meaningful that was to me during all those difficult seasons when on Sundays I knew I could just be there and worship without having to think about all the other logistics of, of what was going to go into it. Um, and then I think the third thing that I thought of, and this was an unexpected blessing of the Leviticus series for me, mm. was the, the blessing and the importance of rituals. Yeah. And, and how those can be formative and, and can be beneficial for, for growth and for spiritual formation. Mm. That's so that's neat. my long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for real, though, I think that the ways in which God has helped us are so, so much more numerous than what we realize. Um, and so mine, I'm trying to kind of condense and to sum up, but I think like just the losing my ring and finding it was an, was an illustration to me of what God has been doing for me all year in countless ways that he has rescued me in a situation that he has given me wisdom, that he has given me guidance. Like, why would you look in a vacuum? You know, (laughs) Yeah. that's, that's. God's direction because when we pray he hears us and he answers and I think that that's been part of the testimony of my year is that I have had sweet time with him and when I talk to him he hears me and he answers Mm. me and that is just an an inexpressible blessing that I hope all of us have experienced in some way this year and I think some of us have learned how to have a closer relationship with God personally because we didn't have the church so close to us. We weren't meeting regularly for in-person worship. Um, we we didn't have our small groups in person, you know? So for some of us, it pushed us closer into that personal relationship with Christ. And for some of us, it it made us find new ways to be Christian community unto one another. Mm, yeah. And I think that's, you know, 
perspective has been a big word for me thinking back on this year because I feel like I just have a very different perspective on a lot of things. That was really the the word that Ashley and I kind of came out of our experience with the mm. girls with was was perspective and just have how we had a different perspective going forward just with our own with, with our two kids, but even for when we're going to reengage you know, with a, with a new placement going forward, just the different perspective that we would have. And I think that's, as you said, with your ring example, how that was kind of that, that imagery works for a lot of different things. I think that Mm. imagery for, for me fits with a lot of different aspects of 2020 that just, it's given a different perspective that I hope that again, practices like this help me to carry that forward. Cause one of the things that I hope kind of is, that, that I'm able to take from 2020 to, to move forward is that I feel like there's, there are several things that I've sort of um, believed conceptually but failed to put into practice mm. that I think 2020 has sort of revealed and, and I hope kind of pushes me towards better implementing those things in practice going forward. Is there anything you could give as a concrete example of what would be something that you're putting into practice now that was just kind of head knowledge before or how your perspective has actually changed? Um, I think, well, some of it would would certainly be personal. I think that's where some of the ritual comes in. Mm -hmm. And I still, and again, so I'm still struggling to fully put this into practice, but I think I always sort of believed in my head that there are sort of ritualistic things about prayer Mm. and and things like that that were helpful. And I had done it in, in spurts but never really fully. And, and so I think seeing, I had sort of always understood conceptually the value of some of that, but had kind of failed to put it into practice. Mm. Um, and, and I think like from a church perspective, I think um, there were some things that we had talked about, about um, just like how do we incorporate different types of things into our gatherings and capitalize on creativity and stuff in, in gatherings that I had sort of always thought about in, in concept, but failed to always kind of put into practice that then the pandemic like forced us to do like, all right, well now you're going to have to just completely Mm -hmm. rethink how you think about gatherings. Um, And so I think some of that is good and and will help us going Mm -hmm. forward to think about how do we utilize people's gifts? How do we mm-hmm. creatively engage people in, in the gospel? And mm-hmm. even for me, like how I think about preaching, like what is, mm-hmm. what should preaching be leading us towards? Like there have always been some things I've, I've believed conceptually, even about preaching that it's then, then you just get into the, the routine of life, you know, and mm-hmm. the Sunday, the next Sunday's coming in six days. And sometimes you just got to put a sermon together <laughs> without thinking, okay, but here are the things True that confessions, I believe. church. <laughs> yeah. Here are the things that I believe a sermon should do. Yeah. And am I working towards that every week? Mm. You know? And, um, and so there's just, there's several of those types of things that I hope I'm more aware of going forward. And like I said, I think, a, I think relational investment within the church is part of that. Yeah. And that's why, as we thought about like, what is our schedule look like when we re kind of restart in-person gatherings one of the reasons that we flipped class back to being before worship is w- because we saw that man one of the 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 values of gathering in person is those things that sort of happen on the on the fringes quote unquote the conversations that happen before and after church mm-hmm. the the opportunities to connect with people that you 
that you don't have when you're when you're doing it remotely and so we wanted to to create space for that mm-hmm. and so that's going to uh that's going to have an impact on how on what we physically do with our space going forward which we'll be sharing more about uh soon but also an impact on like how we schedule our time together on Sundays that we wanted to create this block of time between class and and worship that would be intentionally geared towards fellowship and connectivity. Mm-hmm. And again, that was something that that we sort of believed conceptually before, but now it's like, okay, so how do we make that though something purposeful about how we structure our time together? Yeah. That's good. So it sounds like there are personal lessons and your own spiritual lessons you've learned, but also communally and for our church as a congregation, things that 2020 has taught you. So it sounds fruitful to me. Maybe everything is not lost in this year. There you go. That's what you said earlier, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's for me, like, it only isn't lost if we do the work of reflection mm. and if we carry those things with us. So you actually have to take the time to look back and reflect? Right, yeah. Mm. And like that's, you know, I was I was sharing with you before we started this that as I looked back on my year, it's almost like that strange season in April and March was the the time looking back on it that feels the quote, the, uh, the the most quote unquote normal mm. at this point or or like um uh calm, I guess yeah. you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that time when we were just enjoying kind of family time at home with the four of us. And I'd mentioned that in my sermon. And, and even in the sermon, like I recognized that for some people, it meant isolation in that season. Right. And so I recognized that we were blessed that even though we mm-hmm. couldn't hang out with friends and family outside of our home, we still had the four of us. Right. And, and I recognized, I think more so looking back, the blessing that that, that was. But that was like the most calm and mm-hmm. And, and quote unquote normal time of the year looking back. And, and if I fail to do the work of looking back to realize that, I may miss intentional moments with my family going forward that I need to be investing in. Yeah. Um, and if we're just ready to, to just kind of get back to the way that life was pre-pandemic, um, we, we miss everything that these nine months and going forward, you know, we're still in it. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll miss the things that this season has taught us. And again, yeah. that's the thing that's so impactful to me about that Ebenezer language is because mm. then as, as, as the Israelites look back, that language impacts how they look back and it's supposed to impact how they look forward. Mm. Yeah. It, it feels like, it's not easy though like to take the time to sit down and reflect and for some for some of us it means kind of revisiting some pain also um and i think the the desire would be to just rush through and to say good riddance mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah um and to move forward but i think that that's part of what the christian story calls us to do is to regularly reflect and God always asked the Israelites to remember that he delivered them out of slavery to, first of all, you have to remember that there was a time that you were in slavery in order to remember right. that you were delivered. Um, and so I think that one of the lies of the world is that we should always look forward, only look to our future and forget mm-hmm. your past. 
But I think the Christian story calls us to be people of remembrance and that we have to continually look back and not just looking at ourselves, but looking at God in the past, like looking at what God has done in the past for others and for ourselves. Um, So I don't necessarily think it's easy, but worthwhile and something that I'm interested in finding more ways to practically do. Yeah, very true. And I think part of the reason that that we have sort of those worldly messages of that is is in part because we're really good at looking back in unhealthy ways. Oh. We're we're really good at sort of dwelling in the past in this place of regret or mm. shame. Mm. And like I I could easily do that with 2020. I think we all could. Like here is all the things I could have done differently in 2020, you mm. know. Here are the ways that I could have you know, um, handle things with my family better or mm. job better. Like, and I've thought of that repeatedly, like, man, there are so many ministry things we could have done better yeah. or done earlier than we did. Um, ways that we could have connected with people pastorally, individually early on in the process. Mm. And, and so it's like, I can live with regret or shame about that. Right. Or I can look back, recognize where some of our weaknesses were and say, okay, so how is that going to impact us going forward? Mm. And and we're not able to do that if we don't look back in healthy ways. Right. But I do think there's this, because of our tendency to look back in unhealthy ways, like the, the, the kind of answer to that, unfortunately, sometimes is just move forward and don't look back. Mm. <laughs> I think that there are kind of three things I feel like we should consider when we look back that one, we need a sense of holy reverence is that we respect God and we honor him and give him glory for what he did. And two, that we need a sense of gratitude, like thankfulness for what God has done and all the blessings that we have. And then third is a sense of humor. I feel like we have to have a little bit of lightheartedness, some grace for ourselves, and just be able to kind of laugh at our mistakes and laugh Mm -hmm. at the things that went wrong and lightheartedly let go the things that we feel like we lost. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And I think if there is, hopefully we're people of grace towards others too. But man, mm. if there was ever a year to, to extend some grace to others, this is certainly an example of it. That right. like, hey, none of us were prepared for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and so if there's someone in your life who you wish had done something differently this year, like mm. uh, this is a good year to cut them some slack and extend some grace and say, yeah, this was hard on all of us. And and hopefully we're all learning lessons and, and moving forward and can can extend to each other some grace. Yeah. And just like even practically with the pandemic, we have approached it differently. Like kind of everyone's rules for social interaction are slightly different. And mm-hmm. I feel like even within families that can create a tension and sort oh, of sure. grudges of like, well, you weren't careful. And, you know, um, and yep. so I think we... Yeah, we definitely need extra grace for each other and to say, you handled it differently than me, and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And uh, that's hard because I think that's one of the reasons it gets so tense in this time is because, you know, I think people would say, well, your your actions affect the well-being of others, right? Mm -hmm. And then we begin to, uh, we can... Our, our ire can be uh, 
welled up within within us very quickly and um yeah but I think I think you're absolutely right and part of that is learning again that I am not in control of others I'm in control of myself partially (laughs) hopefully the Holy Spirit is in control of me um but just because it's not in my control doesn't mean it's out of control and so just I think this year has been a lot of letting go for a a lot of us Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and you know, there there were so many uh, moments of of just kind of where I felt like lessons were learned and and where we had some clarity on some things this year and and I think it was one of the things that that was important for me because, like I said, when the summer with the girls was that's the you know I, I shared on on Sunday that sort of the the indelible image that I have looking back was fondly at least was kind of those those moments of our family kind of hanging out in mm-hmm. in the uh the spring but I think the dominant thing from our year was certainly our our summer with the girls mm. and and you know it was it was our choice for them ultimately to to go somewhere else mm-hmm. um and and I struggled with that for for a long time about whether that was the best thing to do because when we first got them you know we were we were thinking about it, you know, even adoption was, was on the table, but it was like, we had to make a decision like really quickly because oh. of their situation. And at least in the way that it was kind of phrased or framed to us and for us was like, they were going to have to split up and mm. unless they came with us. And so we just kind of said yes. And we're like, all right, let's just dive into it and see, see how this goes. Um, knowing that, you know, we're not like signing up for adoption at this point, but, mm-hmm. but that it was a, an option at least. And then we quickly saw that may not be the best route for our, for our family, Mm. um, to have six kids. And, um, but especially by the end of it, you know, they were able to stay together as a sibling set, Mm. um, and to end up going to another family then where it looks like the, you know, the, the plan is for them to get adopted by that family. And we were kind of a bridge for them in order to stay together, mm. um, have kind of a soft place to land before they went to this family that then was available um, at, at that point in the year, which apparently, at least again, from what we were told, wasn't an option for whatever reason mm-hmm. in at the beginning of June. And, and so I was able to have peace with it because of, I, I felt like it was the best thing for the girls because I felt like it was the best thing for the four of us. It was the most fair things for, for Isley and Banner and, and just mm. for just everything involved. I felt like it was best. Um, and so I was able to have peace with it because of that. And, and I felt like we learned so much coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I was tempted to, to think at times that like, you know, if we make the decision for them to go somewhere else, does that mean that we failed at this? Mm. Does that mean it was a mistake to take them? And I think that was good for me to have to wrestle with. And, and I, I don't think mm. it was. I think it was good for everyone involved um, because of what it led to. Right. And, and I think there are times in, you know, something may be good for a season or something mm. may be what you kind of endure for a season because of what it produces within you or mm. because of timing that you that you aren't aware of at the time that you can know looking back um that I think has been helpful for me <sighs> mm-hmm. to think about this year those are words of grace 
to admit something may be good for a season and just because it's good for that season doesn't mean you have to hold on to it forever yeah yeah um that was that was certainly meaningful for me in fact there was a bike ride when we were going through all of this and trying to decide what we were going to do i was listening to this bike i was listening to a podcast um from one of our favorites our collective favorites the bible project yeah. um where um tim mackey was talking about some of that mm-hmm. and how like you know at some point you don't need to keep holding on to something just cuz well this is what i decided and i think we do that sometimes mm-hmm. well i felt like this is where god was leading me yeah and so yeah. now i need to stick with it because and it's mm-hmm. like well no maybe the best decision is to say, all right, we're going to do something different now. <laughs> and I don't remember yeah. exactly what he said, but mm-hmm. it, it spoke to me very directly of like, no, this is okay. This can be the best decision for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow, that's awesome. and we can move forward with it. I think I wouldn't be in America if I hadn't been able to let go of how I felt God had led me in the past. Um, because I felt like he had led me to live and minister in Kenya And if I wasn't able to let go of that, we wouldn't be here now. (laughs) So I think there are definitely seasons. And um, even within one year, it's crazy how many there can be. If I divided up 2020 into like seasons, I would have like seven or eight distinct periods of everyone, like kind of, I guess you said boxes or like file folders. Mm And that God has been with us in each and every one. And he has been faithful and good. He doesn't change, um, but He, his presence remains with us every season, every block that we walk through. Yeah. Well said. That's a good closing, a closing note and thought for us. So we'll stop there. Um, I've rambled myself <laughs> enough for this podcast. So... I thought I had my my thoughts all organized and stuff, but man, as you think and reflect on this year, it's, it's tough to so sort much. of uh, yeah, it's 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 tough to encapsulate everything. Mm. And so, as we continue to kind of reflect, we're we're in the last couple of days. Like I said, this podcast is being released the beginning of of January, but Rachel and I are discussing this the end of of December, and that's one of my goals still for the next week or so is to to put some of these things in more detail down in writing myself. Mm. so that um so that I've got them going forward as well and and hopefully we can all be thinking about um things that we might want to do whether you call those new year's resolutions or mm. or goals for the new year practices you want to pursue in the new year um maybe there's some reflective work that yeah. can can help guide some of that maybe as well maybe number 1 is to raise your Ebenezer to there say hither by thy help I've come that's right all right. Well, Rachel, thanks for, for taking the time to, to do this with me today. Thank and, you. Um, I, um, I know one of the ways that, that we really feel God has helped us collectively in our church is by the work he's, he's done and equipped us to do to bring you and Hezzy to our church family. So we're glad that you're here and, and looking forward to what 2021 brings with, um, with you continuing to to work with us and be part of our family. Thank you. That's very kind. I love the vine. Y'all are awesome. Happy New Year, viners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so will you, will you close out our time in, in prayer yes, for today, Rachel? Yes, I will. God, we just give you all the glory for everything that we've been through this year. 
for the loss and the pain and just the unfathomable circumstances we've walked through. You have never abandoned us. You have never forsaken us. You have walked through it all with us. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your love and your faithfulness. We glorify you. I pray that you would bless each person at the vine or anyone who listens to this, that you would soften their heart to reflect back on a year that might include some hard things and um, that you would speak to them and just show them your grace and your goodness and open their eyes to all the ways that you blessed them, protected them, and cared for them. 